0: Here it
1: is! From deep inside your audio device of choice. Now, here's a story about a woman. And the land of 15,000 princes. Our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia. It was, Saudi Arabia was, an adventure for Bethany Vieira an american from washington state she taught at a woman's university started a company married a saudi businessman and gave birth to a daughter But according to the seattle times the marriage went sour and she sought a divorce and that's when she's been trapped because of the kingdom's so-called guardianship laws which give men great power over women she's unable to use her bank account leave the country, travel with their daughter, or seek legal help. That's according to her cousin, Nicole Carroll. She's completely stuck, said Carroll. She's out of options. Vieira is now divorced, but her ex-husband let her residency in Saudi Arabia expire, meaning she's lost access to her bank account and can't get authorization to leave the country. Their four-year-old daughter cannot travel without her father's permission, Meaning even if Vieira finds a way to leave the kingdom, the child may have to stay behind. Carol decided to publicize her cousin's case because she believed the family had nowhere else to turn and hoped that speaking out would encourage someone to help her while also shedding light on what she called, quote, an unfair system. Why, that's the system that prevails in the land of 15,000 princes, our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia. Thought I'd brighten your day a little bit just before saying hello, welcome to the show.
0: Under haze, you
1: From Santa Monica, California, world-renowned as the home of the homeless. I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to the show. And now, we are not number one. No, we're not. Spain has just surpassed Italy to become the world's healthiest country. First, I mean, Italy, and then Spain. Spain. That's according to the 2019 edition of the Bloomberg Healthiest Country Index. It ranks 169 economies according to factors that contribute to overall health. Spain moved way up from the previous index issued way back in 2017. Four additional European nations were among the top ten in the latest report. That damn Europe. We don't want to be like them, do we? Iceland. In third place, Switzerland in fifth, Sweden in sixth, Norway in ninth. What happened to Finland? Finland, what happened? Japan was the healthiest Asian nation, going up from fourth and replacing Singapore, which dropped to eighth. Must be all that gum-chewing. Australia and Israel rounded up the top ten at seventh and tenth place. Be patient, I'll get to us. The index grades nations based on variables including life expectancy while imposing penalties on risks such as tobacco use and obesity. It also takes into consideration environmental factors, including access to clean water and sanitation. Spain has the highest life expectancy at birth among European nations, traveling only Japan and Switzerland globally. Tom? I mean globally. Yeah, I guess I do. Spain is forecast to have the highest lifespan by 2040 at almost 86 years followed by Japan, Singapore, and Switzerland. Primary care is essentially provided by public providers, specialized family doctors, and staff nurses who provide preventive services to children, women, and elderly patients, and acute and chronic care. That's uh, the review of Spain by the European Observatory on Health Systems and Policies a decline over the past decade in Spain in cardiovascular diseases and deaths from cancer. Researchers say eating habits may provide clues to health levels enjoyed by Spain and Italy. That that damn Mediterranean diet, supplemented with extra virgin olive oil or nuts, has a lower rate of major cardiovascular events than those assigned to a reduced fat diet. Meanwhile, over here in North America, Canada is in 16th place. Canada. Far surpassing the U.S. and Mexico. Well, they're at the top of the... Con- U.S. and Mexico dropped slightly. Mexico's is 53rd. United States, 35th. Yeah, we're kind of the mirror image. Life expectancy in the U.S. has been trending lower due to deaths from drug overdoses and suicides. Cuba finished five spots above the United States, making it the only nation not classified as high income by the World Bank to be ranked that high. One reason for the island's success may be its emphasis on preventive care over the U.S. focus on diagnosing and treating illness. That's according to the health law section of the American Bar Association. They made that conclusion last year after visiting Cuba. Oh, well, if he went there and you're speaking from personal experience. Please, please. Uh, yes, I'm ticked off, ladies and gentlemen, because we're not number one. Let's uh, look at our friend the Adam, shall we? Clean, safe. Ofuk. Fukushima, that is. You remember it. Nearly a thousand storage tanks are scattered across the Fuk nuclear plant, holding 1.1 million tons of treated water used to keep its melted reactor cores cool while they rust in the sun. according to the Japan Times. TEPCO, Tokyo Electric Power Company, which ran Fuk, plans to build more of the gigantic tanks to hold another... 270,000 tons. The new tanks will reach capacity in about four or five years. Each tank takes seven to ten days to fill, holds between a 1,000 to 1,200 tons of liquid. It's been eight years since fuk number 1 suffered three core meltdowns. The situation with the tanks may be a sign TEPCO has yet to get the facility under control. Space isn't a isn't big issue at this point in time, but five or ten years from now, after we've started removing the melted fuel debris... We're going to need facilities to store and preserve it, said Akira Ono, president of the Fukushima Decontamination and Decommissioning Engineering Company. That's part of TEPCO overseeing the decommissioning process. The water issue is eating up both space and resources. A solution is unlikely to emerge anytime soon. According to the International Atomic Energy Agency in a report last November, the physical constraints of the site, quote, leave little room for additional tanks, you're welcome. Beyond what TEPCO has allocated, the report went on to say it believes storing tainted water in above-ground tanks can only be a temporary measure while a more sustainable solution is needed and a decision on the disposition path should be taken urgently, unquote. Beyond next year, TEPCO hasn't allocated any additional space for holding treated water on the site. That is to say, they've gotten all of the uh, radiation out of it, except for the tritium. Our old friend, tritium. TEPCO has no plans to allocate any additional space at this time. The utility says the tanks will become a headache if they remain at the plant. At that point, we may need to rethink how we're using the space, said Ono. But he didn't say oh no. Eight years ago, when the tsunami hit, the entire plant lost power and reactors 1, 2, and 3 lost coolant, causing their course to overheat. Then the reactor's 1 and 3 and 4 suffered hydrogen explosions. Like they needed that. TEPCO must inject water into the reactors indefinitely to keep the melted cores cool. That'll keep them busy. But water tainted by contact with the fuel and associated debris has been leaking from the damaged containment vessels into the basements of the reactor buildings where tons of fresh groundwater flow in daily through holes in their damaged walls. It's all good. The contaminated water is then pumped out and passed through a filtration device, which is supposed to remove everything except the tritium and stored in the tanks. TEPCO has now taken steps to limit the amount of groundwater seeping into the reactor buildings, including uh, wells to intercept and divert it, and that underground wa- ice wall. But according to TEPCO, three, 83 tons of water are seeping into the reactor buildings every day, an improvement from 300 tons in previous years. But TEPCO must keep making more tanks. Like they're in the tanking business. Well, they are. At the moment, TEPCO is waiting for a government panel's advice on what to do with the tritium-tainted water. Panel is considering five disposal methods. Injecting it into the ground. It works so well for fracking, because they they need more earthquakes in Japan. Sea discharge after diluting. Discharging it as steam, which means goes into the air and solidification followed by underground burial tritium a common byproduct of nuclear reactors in large quantities of exposure can be dangerous especially if ingested or inhaled processed adequately however tritium is believed to pose little or no health risk for instance it's present in regular tap water that's good news what isn't in tap water Discharging treated terridium water in the ocean is a common practice at nuclear power plants around the world, so it's got to be good. Prolonging the storage of water in those tanks will make decommissioning the power plant that much more difficult for TEPCO. Limited resources are being used to use these tanks as storage, not just money, but other resources as well, according to Toyoshi Fuketa, who heads the Nuclear Regulation Authority in Japan. Tom? a nuclear regulation authority. The longer we store the water, the greater the influence it will have on the decommissioning of the fuk plant, he says. But there are concerns about the impact ocean discharge may have on fisheries still trying to recover from the nuclear crisis. And more about fuk More fuk for your money. Japan's Environment Ministry says much of the soil generated in the decontamination work after the accident, remained stored no, at a permanent location, no, at more than 100,000 locations near homes in the prefecture. Topsoil and plants collected in the decontamination project were first kept in the gardens of private homes or nearby parking lots. They were then transported to temporary storage sites and finally to intermediate storage facilities in two towns in the prefecture. Ministry says only 17 percent of the planned amount of soil and plants has been brought in since the construction of the facilities. facilities. The facilities has only been partially completed. The ministry says the rest of the material is still being kept at more than 100,000 locations in the vicinity of housing districts, as well as at 933 temporary storage sites. The ministry says it aims to complete the transfer of all the material to the facilities by March. Well, like uh, three years from now, except for the soil that is kept in no entry zones. Residents are calling on the Ministry of the Environment to remove the soil from near their homes as soon as possible, complaining the work has not progressed fast enough. If you think it's bad with the soil, talk to the people with the water. Clean, cheap, safe, too, soily and watery to meter, our friend the atom. I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Microplastics. Think about it. Will you think about it? Yes, I will. Enough said. Maybe not enough said. Microplastic pollution now spans the world. It girdles the globe. According to new studies showing contamination in Britain's lakes and rivers in groundwater in the U.S., along the Yangtze River in China and the coast of Spain. That's that's a pretty good uh, sampling of the world. Not a lot of the southern hemisphere in that. One study in Singapore has found that microplastics can harbor harmful microbes. The the, uh, new analysis in the UK found microplastic pollution in all 10 lakes, rivers, and reservoirs sampled. More than 1,000 small pieces of plastic per liter were found in the River Tame, near Manchester, which was revealed last year as the most contaminated place yet tested worldwide. Congratulations, Manchester. Even in relatively remote places such as the Falls of Dakar and Loch Lomond in Scotland, two or three pieces per liter were found. It was startling. I wasn't expecting to find as much as we did, said Christian Dunn at Bangor University in Wales who led the work. It's quite depressing they were there in some of our country's most iconic locations. I'm sure Wordsworth would not be happy to discover his beloved Oldswater in the Lake District was polluted with plastic. Unquote. Don't tell him that Wordsworth has passed away. I think he'd be Crushed to find that out. Microplastics, he added, are found absolutely everywhere, but we do not know the dangers they could be posing. We need to be monitoring our waters now, and we need to think as a country and a world how we can be reducing our reliance on plastic, he told The Guardian. The River Thames in London was found to have about 80 microplastic particles per liter, as was the River Segan in North Wales. Research by the National University of Singapore, meanwhile, found that more than 400 types of bacteria on 275 pieces of microplastic collected from local beaches. They included bugs that cause gastroenteritis, those would be bad bugs, and wound infections in humans, as well as those linked to the bleaching of coral reefs. The story just gets better. It's just one word microplastics. Hi, it's the entrepod, the podcast for would be entrepreneurs and anybody who wants to be one. Presented by our friends at Blogus. They're the people who say you don't have to be an entrepreneur to be an entrepreneur coach. Get more information at Blogus.com dot com or download the app and then find out why you did. Well, I'm Adam Buckholz and uh You may notice that the the podcast sounds a little different. Uh, It's because we're not in my parents' living room today. (laughs) We're in my dad's car, parked on a side street here in Austin, Texas, where South by Southwest is fully swung right about now. And my guest today is a longtime disruptor who's about to take social media back to the future in a big way. He's Danny Grifton. Danny... Welcome to the entrepreneur. Cool car, Adam. Thanks. What is this, a Corolla? It's a Sentra, dude. Hey, Dad, get your own podcast. Get your own car. (laughs) He's kidding. So, Danny, Mm -hmm. uh, it it, it says here in your deck you're not a disruptor. You're a re-disruptor. What the heck does that mean? Well, to break it down to uh, like an oral PowerPoint, Mm -hmm. uh, when a disruptive technology has been de-disrupted either by legal or market forces... My team goes in to see whether its disruption could be revived. Wow. Are you the guys that kept MySpace going for, like, years after we thought it was dead? No, that's another team, and it's still going. Wow. I better update my page. But our new product is much bigger than that, even. <laughs> like they say, go big or go home, right? Well, I do go home at night, but so... I. So we all saw that Facebook is, is doing a pivot to private encrypted communications among or between, you know, I never understood why why we had two words for that. Uh, uh, it's members, which is like everybody. Right. Mr. Zuckerberg, whom I greatly respect, I mean, he invented the whole idea of the social network as like what I call datazilla. <laughs> He's now in trouble with governments and users over ad targeting and data leasing and so you know, he decided to give up and become like a giant snap where everything's encrypted and it disappears real fast. Uh-huh. And I think he's opened up a big space there. Not a MySpace, though. No. no. We're betting that despite the trouble, a lot of people like Facebook just the way it is, mm-hmm. and they might not want to follow his pivot. So we're developing a service that basically re-disrupts the ad and message and social worlds just like the original Facebook did. Cool. So like people could just switch over and it would be like like the same as it was. That's the concept. Oh. We've uh flash hired some of the Facebook tech team obviously a lot of the tech is protected by patents or other non-disclosure stuff. So we've also hired some Chinese guys to help out. With like what the food? N- no. No. The Chinese have already reverse engineered Facebook and their patents don't apply here. So, you know, it's like it's like fire. Wow, that sounds super awesome. Mm-hmm. Does this service have a name yet? Yeah, first thing we worked on last Wednesday. All hands, all nighter. Uh. <laughs> we wanted something that sounded like Facebook, but wouldn't get our asses sued. And our lawyers just gave us the green light. Uh, so we're announcing it here at South By. Wow. Do we get to hear the name? Sure. It's called Bookface. It reminds you of Facebook, but it's far enough away. It's backwards, right? Kind of. It'll go live as soon as Facebook's pivot does. Oh, you don't want to be competing with the original. Totally. And people will get their data collected and sold? leased, Just the way they do now? Look, even if half the Facebook users go for the new thing, the other half is a big enough number to keep the disruption going at major scale. And we think it's easier for people to learn a new address, bookface.com, than to learn a whole new way to social message. Huh. Guess people are lazy. I know I sure am. Except when I'm coding and then I've got my unstoppable on. I know the feeling. This podcast didn't start itself. Danny Grifton, thanks for joining us today on the entrepod. And good luck with Bookface. Till next time I'm Adam Buckhole saying so long for my dad's car.
2: To the things I learned so well in my youth, and I think I'm returning to those days when I was young enough to know.
1: From Santa Monica, hey, grab an electric scooter. They're everywhere. This is Le Show, and now, ladies and gentlemen, a supersized edition of the Apologies of the Week.
0: We're so sorry.
1: Don't know why there's so many this week. Just a sorry week. The former chair of Nissan, Carlos Gozan, was released on a rather large bail this week didn't walk out of the Tokyo Detention Center looking exactly like the Carlos Ghosn, who was known as the chair of Nissan. He was disguised as a construction worker, according to the AP. Only this disguise didn't work, and now one of his attorneys apologized over it, according to The Guardian. The attorney, Takashi Takano, said it was his idea for Ghosn to walk out wearing overalls, a blue cap, and a surgical mask, and enter a van topped with a ladder, which was trailed by the media. Some media outlets, who may have gotten the tip, knew enough to follow the van. The New York Times reports that it took only minutes for Gosson to be recognized, and swift analysis then began as to why a man who has maintained his innocence would, design, would don a disguise. Tacano acknowledged the disguise was, quote, amateurish, and said his, quote, immature plan has tarnished the reputation that he's devoted his whole life to building. I feel sorry about that. The attorney added he was trying to prevent Gosson's current address from leaking. And he's been at least partly successful at that. But I know where... No, I know. Tennis great Martina Navratilova has apologized after her op-ed about transsexual women competing in women's sports went viral. At least it didn't didn't go bacterial. Late last month, Navratilova penned a controversial op-ed for the Sunday Times of London in which she claimed allowing trans women athletes to compete alongside cis women with a C was insane and cheating quote I'm happy to address a transgender woman in whatever form she prefers but I would not be happy to compete against her she wrote it would not be fair unquote the um, op-ed was the object of some objections prompted Athlete Allie a prominent LGBTQ athletics prophet to cut ties with her she's now issued an apology on her personal blog. She claimed she stumbled into a hornet's nest by attempting to encourage a more scientific rather than emotional conversation about trans athletes in professional sports. In particular, she apologized for the cheating comment. Quote, I know that my use of the word cheat caused particular offense among the transgender community. I'm sorry for that because I certainly was not suggesting that transgender athletes in general are cheats. I attached the label to a notional case in which someone cynically changes gender, perhaps temporarily to gain a competitive advantage, calling Yvonne de la Femina. We should not be blind to the possibility, and some of these rules are making that possible and legal, she wrote. But she did apologize. Pro-Trump conspiracy theorist, theorist Jerome Corsi this week retracted a nearly year-old column published on the website of Alex Jones, InfoWars, his column promoted the unfounded claim that Seth Rich and his brother participated in the hack of the DNC and leaked documents to WikiLeaks. In addition to the retraction, Corsi apologized to the entire Rich family. Then InfoWars formally retracted the column and published an apology that mirrored Corsi's. twin apologies. Corsi's March 5th of last year story was an attempt to defend Roger Stone the now-indicted former Trump advisor, against allegations that he had advanced knowledge of WikiLeaks' plans to release thousands of emails stolen from the DNC and Hillary Clinton campaign chairman John Podesta. In a statement posted this week on Corsi Nation and on Twitter, Corsi now says his InfoWars column was not based upon any independent factual knowledge regarding Seth or Aaron Rich. He says he relied primarily on a Washington Times op-ed, which itself was retracted last September after Aaron Rich sued the newspaper for defamation. Corsi's apology and retraction came after a series of negotiations between lawyers for Corsi and Aaron Rich, just as the one-year statute of limitations for a potential defamation suit approached. That's all from Rolling Stone. We now move to Minneapolis, but not until the summer. A Channel 45- TV anchor apologized this week on behalf of the station after play-by-play announcer Doug McLeod referred to lynching ropes while calling a game in a Minnesota Boys State hockey tournament. McLeod is the University of Minnesota play-by-play announcer, as you well know. He'd been invited back to the 75th Annual High School Hockey Championships with a group of fellow broadcasting veterans. During the second period of the Class 2A quarterfinals game between White Bear Lake and Blaine, McLeod made an offhanded comment shortly after a Blaine goal. Quote, All the White Bear fans get out the lynching ropes, unquote. The statement appeared to go unnoticed by his broadcasting partner, but uh, uh, hockey fans expressed outrage on social media about of choice of words. McLeod was ultimately pulled off the air. KSTP's chief political reporter, that's the station involved, was serving as studio host for tournament coverage later apologized to viewers. Earlier in this broadcast this afternoon, there was an uh, inappropriate comment made. If you were offended by this comment, we sincerely apologize. If you weren't offended, it's hockey. There's your if apology of the week. The British Cabinet Minister for Northern Ireland apologized this week after causing widespread anger by asserting in Parliament that killings by soldiers and the police during the decades-long conflict in Northern Ireland were not crimes. The remarks from the minister, Karen Bradley, were particularly inflammatory because they came a week before prosecutors in Northern Ireland are deciding whether to charge former British soldiers over their roles in one of the conflict's deadliest days, January 30th, 1972, known as Bloody Sunday. On that day, members of the Parachute Regiment fatally shot 13 unarmed protesters and bystanders in in Londonderry. A 14th died months later. Within hours... Faced with widespread condemnation of her comments in Ireland and elsewhere, Bradley returned to Parliament and said she wanted to clarify, adding that her earlier statement was not referring to any specific cases, but expressing a general view. Then, a couple of days later, she offered a further written statement declaring that she was, quote, profoundly sorry for the, quote, offense and hurt caused by her words. In her initial statement, she'd said that fewer than 10% of the killings in that conflict 30-year conflict, known as the Troubles, were carried out by security forces, and that those, unlike all the murders carried out by what she termed terrorists, were not against the law. They were people acting under orders and fulfilling their duty in a dignified and appropriate way, she had said. Then, in her later statement, when there is evidence of wrongdoing, it should always be investigated, whoever is responsible. And third, she added, the language was wrong, and even though this was not my intention, it was deeply insensitive to many of those who lost loved ones. I know from those families that I've met personally just how raw their pain is, and I completely understand why they want to see justice properly delivered, unquote. We're standing by for a fourth statement. We'll get it to you as soon as it is originated. Dayline Sioux Falls, South Dakota. The Sioux Falls School District is apologizing for a high school play performance that included student actors dressed in Ku Klux Klan clothing. <laughs> clothing, you see the language of the TV station in uh, Sioux Falls. District administrators say the production of The Foreigner at Roosevelt High School last weekend was not properly vetted. A local social advocacy group establishing sustainable connections raised concerns about the racist attire. Now it's attire. The organization said in today's political climate, the imagery of KKK robes and hoods furthers racial tension in the community. Spokeswoman for the district, Deanne Conrad, says the district violated its own drama approval process. Yes, they have one. On whether the costumes, themes, language, and choreography are considered appropriate by community and state standards. South Dakota we're talking about, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think they've approved hair yet. It's not the first time the play has generated such a backlash. The production was canceled at New Prague High School in Minnesota. New Prague. we The old one... Just wore out two years ago. I know nothing more about the play. A gentleman by the name of Josh Erther in Orlando, Florida, wanted to work out at a planet fitness gym. He never got to. He was asked to leave because of the sounds he was making. He has Tourette syndrome. Erter told television station F the WFTX. He informed the Planet Fitness staff of his condition when he arrived with his fiancée and brother. That apparently didn't matter when an assistant manager approached him. He was like, sir, I know you have Tourette's, and I know you can't control it, but we're going to have to ask you to leave. You're not welcomed here. And I was like, what? Seriously? Erter said. Planet Fitness apologized for the incident. Deadline Charleston, West Virginia. I'm just plain guilty, were the words from former State Supreme Court Justice Minus Ketchum. I said, Menas Ketchum, when he spoke before another judge, a federal judge, John Copenhaver, at his sentencing hearing on a fraud conviction. I'm sorry, but sorry is no excuse, Ketchum told the judge. He pleaded guilty last August to using a state vehicle and gas gas card for personal trips to Virginia to play golf. He was sentenced to three years on probation, fined $20,000, and ordered to pay just more than a." Uh, well, just more than $749. I guess that would be $750 in restitution. Copenhaver called the offense much less significant than that of a former justice who lied to investigators as a part of the same court finance investigation. That judge was sentenced to two years in prison last month. Copenhaver told Ketchum he'd risked so much for so little, but he was plenty sorry. Deadline Mexico City. Mexican government officials apologized this week to the families of five youths killed after police kidnapped them and turned them over to a brutal drug gang. This was a rare instance of officials admitting the government's culpability in such crimes. Relatives said the apology is the first official recognition that the four boys and a girl were innocent victims and not criminals, as officials had initially asserted when the kids went missing three years ago in the state of Veracruz, one of Mexico's most violent. If you're planning your vacation to Mexico, you might want to scratch Veracruz off your list. The Deputy Interior Minister for Human Rights acknowledged the state's, quote, profound responsibility, unquote, vowing to revive investigations into the case case in which eight police are among the 21 suspects so arrested. So far, arrested. No senior Veracruz security officials have been investigated in the case. That's a point criticized by the families. I apologize for the collusion between police and organized crime that wasn't stopped in time, said Veracruz's governor, who just took office. Good luck to him. Now some church-related apologies. The columbus ohio diocese has released a list of clergy who've served there and have been credibly accused of sexual abuse of a minor and now bishop frederick campbell says he shares with the fateful of our diocese sorrow sadness and anger over such behavior quote i apologize to all victims for the abuse suffered and hope that these disclosures will help bring healing to all victims and their families he said in an open letter to the diocese Dioceses and citizens and, and staff reviewed the files of nearly two thousand clergy who served in the Diocese of Columbus since its founding in eighteen sixty eight. The full list is available. On the website come to come for the list of errant priests. Stay for the potluck supper, notice. California man was given a terminal diagnosis via what his family described as a robot with a video screen that conferenced in his doctor. Ernest Quintana went to Kaiser Permanente Medical Center in uh, Fremont, near San Francisco, into the emergency room. His granddaughter said she was with him in intensive care when a nurse said a doctor would be making his rounds. The uh, granddaughter said a robot then arrived in the room and the doctor appeared on a video screen. Senior Vice President for Kaiser Permanente, Michelle Gaskin-Hames, said it was a highly unusual circumstance The doctor on the video said her grandfather's lungs were failing and he didn't have long to live. Said the spokesperson for Kaiser Permanente, we regret falling short in meeting the patient's and family's expectations in this situation. We will use this as an opportunity to review how to improve patient experience with televideo capabilities. The hospital disputed the use of the word robot to describe the televideo technology. It's a live conversation with a video. Uh, Sorry. It's a live conversation with a physician using televideo technology and always with a nurse or other physician in the room to explain the purpose and the function of technology. Don't you feel better already? Warner Brothers Entertainment CEO Kevin Chuzihara responded to a report in the Hollywood Reporter. That's why it was a report, which accused him of trying to advance the career of an actress after attempting to have a romantic relationship with her. Quote, I deeply regret that I have made mistakes in my personal life that have caused pain and embarrassment to the people I love the most. I also deeply regret that these personal actions have caused embarrassment to the company and to all of you. He added that Warner Media will work with a third-party law firm to review the situation. He will cooperate fully with the probe. More regret than an apology, but, you know, he runs a movie studio. It's as close as you can get. Jordan Flake said she and her son had settled into her seat for an American Airlines flight to South Carolina last week when an employee with the airline asked about her skin condition. He then he quietly asked me about my rash and if I had a letter from a doctor stating it was okay for me to fly I explained to him it was called ichthyosis a genetic skin condition I share with my son according to the Mayo Clinic the condition causes dry discolored skin and is not contagious despite apparently looking up the disorder on Google according to Jordan Flake the employee pressed if she had a doctor's note and left for a period of time he came back and said he apologized but we wouldn't be able to fly and we had to get off the plane The pilots, she said, did not have a problem with flying the mother and son, but a flight attendant insisted she needed a doctor's note to fly. American Airlines employees assisted the mother and son off the flight, booked her a hotel and raised a new flight, but her bags had already been checked and were traveling somewhere else where Flake had a child who needed care. I have never been so humiliated in my life, she says. American Airlines apologized to the family. Our goal at American Airlines is to create a welcoming environment for all of our customers, said a spokesperson. We sincerely apologize to Ms. Flake and her son for the experience they had. Our team has begun an investigation into the matter. Our customer relations team has already spoken to her directly and upgraded them on their American flights. Can we banish the word experience from the American corporate vocabulary before it kills us all? Actor Ian McKellen has apologized for remarks in which he appeared to suggest that allegations of sexual abuse leveled against Kevin Spacey and Brian Singer resulted from the entertainer's unease with their own sexuality. McKellen tweeted that comments made during a live podcast were clumsily expressed. He said, I suggested that if closeted people were instead open about their sexuality, they wouldn't abuse others. That, of course, is wrong. He went on to say that he would never, ever trivialize or condone abuse of any kind. I deeply regret my careless remarks and apologize unreservedly for any distress I caused. Now we're getting to using terms of art kind of loosely. Comedian Trevor Noah has apologized following a backlash after he made a joke last week about the possibility of war between India and Pakistan. He joked that war between the two countries would be, quote, the most entertaining, as he imitated a Bollywood-like dance number. Quote, it would also be the longest war of all time. Another dance number? He said. I'm going to wait for the laugh. Come on, hold your ribs. The remarks quickly elicited scorn on social media. Many slammed Noah's joke as racist and culturally insensitive. He replied, Actually, if you watch my stand-up, you'll see I did make jokes after my mother was shot in the head. As a comedian, I use comedy to process pain and discomfort in my world. But I am sorry that this hurt you and others. That's not what I was trying to do. Nor... He added, was I trying actually to be funny? No, he didn't say that. Deadline Sydney, Australia, the captain of Australia women's rugby team, has been banned for six weeks after admitting biting an opponent on the arm during a domestic match. New Zealand-born... Oh, well, there you go. New Zealand-born Liz Patu faced a 12-week suspension for biting Rebecca Croft during a Super W match between Queensland and Rugby at WA on Saturday. Clough alerted the referee to the incident in the 70th minute, pointing to a bite mark on her arm. Patu and Clough are teammates and leaders for Australia's Wallaroos, but are on opposing teams in the Super W game. "'I'd like to express my remorse for my actions in Saturday's match,' she said. "'I apologise to Rebecca Clough, the rugby WA women's team, my own teammates and the wider rugby public. My actions the other night were unacceptable and will not be repeated.' I've played club, state and international rugby and previously hadn't committed an act such as this. I accept my punishment. I want to assure the rugby public, administration and my fellow players that when I return to play, I want to ensure the game is played in the right spirit and do what I can to promote the women's game in a positive manner. With no biting. Deadline Naples, Florida. Two Naples men said they were refused a couple's massage because they were gay. The couple was turned away at the Joy Feet Spa... In Naples. The exchange between the couple and the spa's manager was recorded on cell phone video, uploaded to Facebook. It hurt, said Michael Garcia. It sucks because we're just like everybody else. The incident generated immense backlash for the company, thanks to Facebook and Yelp. Manager Jerry Liu said he never meant to discriminate. He apologized in a Facebook post riddled with rainbows about the incident. I apologize, Liu said. It's my fault. He said it's a difference of culture in Chinese. The word couple means a man and a woman. But he now knows being a couple isn't limited to just a man and a woman. I blame the Chinese. And one more religion apology. I told you it was a super apology edition. The Catholic Bishop of Raffo covering most of Donegal in... Um, Ireland has expressed profound sorrow and shame about the abuse of children carried out by former cleric Eugene Green. Bishop Alan McLuckian made the statement after news emerged that Green had died, apparently, some months ago. The statement said the Catholic Church had dismissed him from the clerical state in 2004, and ever since he left jail four years later, the diocese has not known his whereabouts. Bishop McLuckian said, the news of the death of Eugene Green has reopened the hurt of those whom he violated, their loving families and communities across the diocese. On behalf of the diocese, I wish to express my profound sorrow and shame at the abuse which he perpetrated on innocent children. RTE, which is the Irish radio network, says he was 91 at the time of of his death. The Irish Times reported he was jailed for 12 years at Donegal Court when he pleaded guilty in 2000 to 41 sample charges of sexual assault against 26 children in Donegal Parishes between 1965 and 1982. Practice does make perfect. He said that his crimes, which included, included repeatedly buggering altar boys, only came to light after a victim tried to blackmail him, and he reported this to the police. And while we end uh, the apologies of the week... On a related subject, news of the godly. A Catholic cardinal offered his resignation this week after being found guilty by a French court of covering up decades-old sexual abuse by a priest in his diocese. This was a surprise victory for the priest's accusers, who had forced the case to trial after it was dropped by prosecutors. The conviction of Cardinal Philippe Barbarin, the Archbishop of Lyon, was the first in France against such a high-profile clergyman just weeks after that big summit at the Vatican, ended up with no concrete plans to tackle the issue of clergy, child sexual abuse. Cardinal Barberin, 68 years old, was guilty, found guilty of failing to report child abuse by the Reverend Bernard Prénat, Prénat, P-R-E-Y, N-A-T. Yes, it's right there in his name. To the authorities, after parishioners accused the priests of sexually abusing dozens of Boy Scouts in the late 80s and early 90s. And God is purifying his church through the painful revelations of the abuse scandals, so do not be discouraged. Those were the words of Francis the talking Pope in a meeting with the priests of the Diocese of Rome. He told the priests that he feels with them the unbearable pain and suffering that the wave of scandals, which the whole world's newspapers are full of, causes in us and the whole ecclesial body. Still do not be discouraged, he said with an exclamation point. This is from the Catholic News Agency. The Lord is purifying his bride and is converting us all to himself. This test is to help them understand that without God, God, we are dust. It is saving us from hypocrisy, from the spirituality of appearances. He is blowing his spirit. This This is a quote. He is blowing his spirit to restore beauty to his bride, surprised in flagrant adultery, unquote. Francis the Talking Pope, ladies and gentlemen. News of the godly, copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Mike says... He told me to lie. Don says... He's lying. He's a liar. With everything at stake, nothing's for sure, except World Politics Entertainment's Lie Down Raw 2019. Every falsehood, every misstatement, every rock-bottom, made-up pile of crap in your living room or on your phone for just one big payment. You can't believe him. I'm sorry I did. And he owes me money. He's a fraudster. He's a bad lawyer. I can't believe I had him on my payroll for a decade. You won't be the judge, because there is no judge. In the battle of WPE's two championship liars, only one can emerge victorious, or maybe none. A grudge match like no other. Lie Down Raw 2019, live from the swamp, coming soon to your brain. I get no money from this. This is all his idea. Just a little news of the warm with the last few moments of this show. Climate change could bring Zika and malaria to Britain, according to the UK Department of Health, reported in the Telegraph. It's announced a multi million pound research fund to tackle the health effects of global warming. Currently, deadly diseases spread by mosquitoes are confined to warmer climates. The insects cannot survive in chillier northern areas. But temperatures are rising by 2040. The average temperature daily in the UK is expected to be as much as one degree centigrade hotter, Celsius, sorry, hotter than today. In February, conditions hit almost 70 degrees Fahrenheit in West London, the first British winter to have ever passed 68 degrees Fahrenheit. And I missed it. The Department of Health has announced up to 56 million pounds for research into issues such as the potential potential health impacts of climate change, air pollution, and global pandemics. One of the main disease-spreading mosquitoes, Aedes albopictus, the tiger mosquito, is already present in northern Italy and southern France, moving north around 93 miles a year. That's a fast-moving mosquito, ladies and gentlemen. And that's... I might hitch a ride right on that guy... That's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week on radio stations that you may be listening to at the same time on alternate audio devices. Whenever you choose to listen in, dial it up, and it'll be just like Zika in Alaska. If you agree to join with me, then would you already? Right. Thank you very much. Uh huh. A tip of the show, cha- chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, and Hawaii desks. Thanks, as always, to Pam Halstead and to Jenny Lawson at WWNO New Orleans. The email address for this program, your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts, and the playlist of music heard here on all at harrysher.com. I'm on Twitter at the Harry Next two weeks, special programs, way out of format. Not at all news of the week kind of thing informative and or entertaining. I will assure you of that. And I'll be back with you with a kind of more regular edition of the program. Three weeks from now, you have been warned. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans, flagship station of the Change is Easy radio network. So long from the home. Home of the homeless.